You are listening to a sermon by Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A dot com. I add my greetings to uh, those who've gone before me. Welcome to New Life Presbyterian Church on this beautiful day. Uh, now, again, special welcome to those of you who are tuning in around the world. Um, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, did you feel the earthquake this morning? Yeah, 3.6 uh, centered near uh, Warner Springs, which is not that far away from us. I heard it before I felt it. Um, and uh, Linda uh, was reminded of something she had just recently read from from uh, Dr. Larry Crabb, um, and she showed me the quote. It's, he said this, only when life heals us, excuse me, only when life hauls us beyond an easy to maintain faith that God is good, will we discover a spirit-granted faith that keeps us steady during life's earthquakes. And 2020 has certainly been that kind of season, is, hasn't it been? Right? A, only when life hauls us beyond an easy-to-maintain faith that God is good. That's a pretty good definition of 2020. And yet what it's showing us is that, and what we're discovering uh, at the far end of that is, is, is a spirit-granted faith that keeps us steady during life's earthquakes, metaphorical and real. Well, today is the second Sunday of Advent, and we are going to eat the Lord's Supper together. And as a way to prepare our hearts and minds to come to the Lord's table, we're going to continue on in the Christmas story as recorded by Luke. And we're going to come to what has traditionally been called the Magnificat. Uh, it's called that because that's the first word in Latin, in the Latin version of the Bible, the first word of Mary's song there. And it is, we're really going to be focusing on the first Christmas carol in history, which is this song that was sung by Mary. Our text is Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. Luke 1, 39 to 56. If you don't have a Bible, it is printed in the bulletin for you so you can follow along with the reading. Please give attention now to the reading of God's Word. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Let me just stop there by way of context, right? Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. Older woman passed... Uh, past childbearing, uh, miraculously has conceived John the Baptist. Her husband is Zechariah, a priest, okay? That's, so, so Mary is going to see Elizabeth, who is pregnant in her sixth month, with, uh, who will become John the Baptist. So uh, let me just start over. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, through Mary's song, would you please this morning deepen our understanding of your son Jesus and also our faith in him. Lord, give us that spirit-granted faith that allows us to endure through life's earthquakes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you saw the bulletin, you, you, you saw that I titled this sermon The Upside-Down Agenda of the King. And the more I thought about this text and prayed about it, the more I realized I got it entirely wrong. The title is simply wrong. It's 180 degrees wrong. Um, the king's agenda is actually right side up. But because you and I are so influenced by the world, we're so, uh, and its values, our, 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 our perspective is so distorted by sin that the king's good agenda uh, seems upside down to you and me we're the ones that are upside down not God now we're going to focus today this is a communion meditation so there's a lot we're not going to address in this text and we're going to be focusing on on the actual song that Mary uh, sang here but I want to uh, look briefly at those at that those beginning verses verses 39 to 45 when mary comes to elizabeth and elizabeth greets her i just want to draw two quick applications from that meeting before we get into mary's song and 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 the first application is this you and i get jesus together Right? To, to understand and 
Jesus and to grow in faith in him requires teamwork. First thing Mary does after finding out that she, uh, uh, what's going to be happening to, to, happening to her, uh, as, as the angel Gabriel told her, is, is run to Elizabeth. And, and, it's, and it's interesting, right? Elizabeth speaks to her things that Elizabeth d w wouldn't know except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, filled Elizabeth and allowed her to speak into Mary's life. And she spoke encouragement and affirmation in, into Mary's life. Now, and that's how God usually works. He doesn't have to work that way, but that's how he does. I mean, he'd already come to Mary and, you know, supernaturally directly revealed things to her. He could have easily done that again and encouraged and affirmed Mary. Uh, but he doesn't. What he, he does is he, he fills Elizabeth and, and, and deputizes Elizabeth to do that encouragement and affirmation on his behalf. There are Elizabeths here. And not just Elizabeths, there are men too. And you more seasoned, mature, older Christians can be used and should be used by the Holy Spirit to encourage and affirm younger people in the faith here. Singles, uh, young marrieds, moms and dads, single parents, interns. Christian friends, these people need you. And God puts us in a church where the Holy Spirit equips us to encourage and affirm one another in the faith. I, my prayer is that New Life would continue to grow in that grace of being a church where the generations, the, you know, the older generations speak into the younger generations and speak encouragement and affirmation, right? Don't be the fashion police. Encouragement, affirmation. Second application. You know, the Bible everywhere uh, affirms the sanctity of preborn human life, but it doesn't do it, you know, by giving us uh, a scientific treatise, but it does it, it, it does it in giving us poetry and in telling us history. And right here in the simple retelling of history, where the preborn John the Baptist uh, plays a role in this event, we learn once again, right, that God is the author of life that, and, and that what God creates we must respect in all of its stages, all of its forms. Doesn't hit you over the head with it, but there it is, right? The sanctity of, of life in utero. Right? John the Baptist is already at work in utero here. Well, I didn't want those to go by as we focused on Mary's song, and that's what we're going to do now. Verses 39 um, to 45, or um, 55, excuse me. Um, 
And we're going to ask and answer three questions from this song, okay? The first question is how, is, how is the world brought right side up? How is the world brought right side up at Christmas? Okay. Second, who does it? Third, what does it mean? So how, how is the world brought right side up? Who does it? What does it mean? That's where we're going. Okay, so how's the world brought right side up? Well, two things happen to bring the world right side up, right? Um, first, Mary mentions it in verses 51 to 53. Men and women with power and possessions and, and the pride that goes with those things, right? The imagining, the internal imagining that you're either self-sufficient without God or you're sufficient enough for God. Sufficient for God to, to bless you and accept you and not judge you. Those people, people of possessions, people of power, people of pride are brought to nothing. In Mary's words, they're scattered, they're brought down, and they're sent away empty. That's a scary message in prosperous America, isn't it? And second, the flip side, is that men and women like, who, like Mary, are humble and poor, are by contrast lifted up, exalted, blessed, filled with good things. Maybe you can understand why I got the title so wrong. Right? That seems so upside down, doesn't it? One theologian said it this way. L listen to this quote. It's interesting. It's this, this was in an academic paper. He's, A major part of the message of prophetic religion, like Christianity, is that the dreams that arise among the poor are not naive illusions but compelling clues to the nature of the real. Let me read that again. A major part of the message of prophetic religion like Christianity is that the dreams that arise among the poor are not naive illusions, but rather compelling clues to the nature of the real. Now, of course, we're not talking about a dream here. Mary isn't having a dream here. This is a, uh, she's reflecting, she's rejoicing, uh, she's worshiping, she's singing. And in doing that, she's reflecting on, what she, on the scriptures she knows. This, is, this song is bathed in the Old Testament. Read Hannah's song in the Old Testament. You'll, you'll, you'll hear echoes of, uh, of, of Mary's song. She, she's, she's, the, the scripture is coming out of her. And in, in, in so doing, this song becomes a compelling clue to the nature of the real. And the real is that the blessed life is not the life that comes from power, possessions, and pride. The blessed life is the life that comes from humility and hunger and dependence. 
That's real. Now understand, this is not about rich versus poor, financially speaking. The poor, the Bible's clear, the poor are not morally superior uh, to the wealthy, neither are the wealthy uh, morally inferior uh, to, to, to the poor. A and there is nothing intrinsically immoral or sinful about wealth itself. But there is a very real, very present danger with wealth. And this is, this is a danger that you and I deal with in our context right here in 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 southern california in the in the in the west and that danger is right that wealth possessions can so warp your view of what's real that it can make you imagine that you're good that you're either good without god or that you're good enough for god and you see, the poor, that danger isn't so great for the poor because they don't have those things that, they, that, 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 that the wealthy can, can lean on, right? So the poor have no such illusions. Sin uses po power and possessions and the pride that goes with them like like virtual reality goggles you, you see you know what those are right you, you're playing a virtual reality game and you put these big goggles on and and you are transported into a virtual world and and perhaps you've seen it live i i've i've seen a lot of uh, videos right of people who are playing a virtual reality game with these with these goggles on and they fall flat on their faces right they look silly they're climbing walls right because what what do they think they think i'm a powerful prince i'm battling dungeons and dragons right and and so you see them you know they're they're in their living room and they're going like this or they're they're going like this and then they come to some part in their virtual world and they just like tip over fall on the ground right see that's that's what sin does that's how sin uses wealth and 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 uh, and power it, it's like sticking virtual reality goggles on and you are you are divorced from what's real it seems real but it's not real Now, the Christian message, of course, is not that bad people are punished and good people are blessed. I, th I think it was Reinhold Niebuhr who, who said, it sort of tongue-in-cheek, um, you know, the, the one verifiable uh, do doctrine uh, of, in Christianity is original sin. Right? That we're all depraved. We're, we're all depraved. The Bible makes, makes that clear. It's, so it's, it, the, the Christian message can't be that bad people are punished and good people are blessed. To paraphrase a pastor I once heard, the, 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 uh, the Christian message is that people who know they are bad will run to God and receive grace, and people who know they are good will not. 
And in not running to God and receiving grace, they, they simply and tragically miss God. And God ultimately brings them to nothing. He gives them over to their choice. The right side up life, right? The life filled with joy and blessing and good things is the life of humble dependence on God. Not saying it's an easy life. I mean, look at Mary. But is it, a, is it a life of joy? Yes. Is it a, li joy, a life of blessing? Yes. Is it a life of good things? Yes. And of course, all of that ultimately comes true, even if it isn't experienced here uh, in, in, in the kingdom to come. You know, Mary is in, in speaking this, singing this song is, is in one sense reflecting back on what God has been doing in history. In another sense, doing what God is presently doing in her time. But she's also singing prophetically, right? We're, we can read the song and realize, yes, this is, what, this is what God is doing and what God is ultimately going to accomplish, right, in the future when his kingdom is come. The world will be set right, right? And, it's, and, and in a very real way, that, that begins in a hands-on way at Christmas. So the right-side-up life is, is the life of humble dependence on God. The upside-down life, the lightweight life, the, the unsustainable life is a life that is independent of God. It's a life that is uh, you know, not, 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 I'm not talking about bad people. I'm talking about people who, of, 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 that, that are essentially carving out a life independent of God. And that's, that's the ultimate lightweight life. That's the ultimate life that gets blown away. So which one are you? And that's, Mary's song really compels us to sort of face that question. Right? She's divided humanity into two groups. In which group are you? Second question, who does this? Right? How, how, do we, how does this reversal get accomplished? Who turns an upside down life right side up? Do you? Is, 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 is Christmas an occasion for me to lecture you on how you need to uh, take your upside down life and get it right side up? Thankfully, no. Right? The, 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 the answer is God does this. God accomplishes this reversal. Christmas is not the gift of a to-do list. The gospel's not a formula for you to follow in order for you to have the blessed life. God does everything. Even that's offensive in our world, right? What? I don't contribute anything? God does everything. And if you don't believe that, track Mary's song. Okay. Verse 48, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. 
Verse 49, He who is mighty has done great things for me. Verse 51, He has shown strength with His arm. Verse 51, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Verse 52, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Verse 52, He has exalted those of humble estate. Verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things. Verse 50, that's 53. Verse 53 again, the rich he has sent away empty. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel. And he does all this, friends. Why? Because he's made a promise to and because he's merciful. It's amazing, isn't it, that Mary gets what so many people even in our time don't get. I'm guessing the average person in San Diego County, if you ask that person uh, to describe the essence of Christianity, the answer would be some version of uh, doing your best to you know, conscientiously obey the teachings of Jesus so that you'll get into heaven and avoid hell. I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends, a lot smarter than I am, who no matter what I say, no matter what material I give them to read, still say that. You know, if that were true, then why Christmas? Why the incarnation? Why this idea that God, God becomes a human being? Why Good Friday? Why let that baby who is the Son of God grow up and be killed by crucifixion? Why Easter Sunday? Why resurrection? That gets us to our third and last question. What does this all mean? What does it all mean? And to quote, let me quote one writer who puts it provocatively, but I think truthfully. It means this, Christianity is the proclamation of the end of religion. Not of a new religion or even of the best of all religions. It is a proclamation of the end of religion. That's what Mary's song really is. It's a proclamation that religion is over. Now understand what I'm saying there. Religion in the classic sense of, of it being humanity's quest for God. Mary's song says the quest is over. Why? Because God made the quest. God came down. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what the Bible is all about. The Bible is not a record of humanity seeking God. It's a record of the promise-keeping, merciful God on a quest for you. He found us. He found you. I'm talking to Christians now. Right? And this baby Jesus grew up and did everything. Everything. 
required to reconcile you to God and to give you the abundant, blessed life. Understand, again, here's another difference between Christianity and virtually every other religion, right? Which, which is, a, is in essence, and what, why my friends are confused. Because virtually every other religion is based around at some, te- a teacher who has left a, a body of teaching and, and the job now of, of the followers of that religion is to obey the teaching to, to somehow get in touch with the divine, right? Now, did, Christ, did, did Jesus teach? Yes. Did he leave, leave us teaching? Yes. There's great, wonderful, important teaching uh, in Scripture. But, but, the, but the truth of Christianity is, is, is not... Is, is not embodied in the teaching of Jesus, it's embodied in Jesus. You don't separate the teaching from Jesus. It's, it's not just what Jesus taught, it's what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And that's, you know, what this table is all about, right? Jesus as a human being and as one fully human and fully God, and I know that's a mystery, experienced everything you have experienced or will experience in this life, yet he experienced it without sin. I can't even describe what that must have been like. Because virtually every experience, every perception of reality that I have is, is twisted by sin. But Jesus experienced all, the, all that you and I experience and know yet was without sin and then now as that sinless god man he was sacrificed as as the lamb of god to satisfy god's justice for your sin my sin and then he was raised to be your king so all that you do now is fear him Right? That's what Mary says, right? His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That means you bow down. You worship. You bow down in, in, in reverence and awe and gratitude and, and worship the all-sufficiency of who Jesus is and what he did for you. It's all right here. You're bringing nothing to this table. Understand that, Christians? And if you think you are, don't eat. Mary got it. Even Mary got it. Verse 47, right? A lot of people think Mary was sinless. Then why did she call her son, her God, my Savior? That's who Jesus was. Her son was her savior. That's who Jesus is. He's her savior. People who are saved don't do anything to merit the saving. So no matter, friends, Christian friends, today, whether you're healthy or sick, whether you're wealthy or poor, whether you're happy or sad, 
rejoicing or grieving, winning or losing, courageous or afraid, succeeding or failing. Jesus has you. He's got you. And he won't let you go. You're free. You're free from guilt, from condemnation. You're free from death itself. So friends, in the midst of all of the madness of 2020, in the midst of today's shaking, you come to this table with empty hands and just fear him, worship him, thank him for what he did. See? It's the most real thing you'll do. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the quest that you made to find us. Lord, if it were up to us, we'd never find you. We'd never even move toward you. Thank you that you move toward us and that we remember that at Christmas time when you became one of us. And now, Lord, as we come to your table, uh, we pray that you will preach to us not just through the, your, the hearing of your word, but through the eating of the bread and the drinking of the wine. Lord, Spirit, use that to, to speak to our hearts and encourage us in the faith today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church Escondido reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.